Hello, and welcome to the first in March Monster Madness. I'm going to be looking at Gremlins 1 and Gremlins 2. Maybe I should do Leprechaun after all, it's St. Paddy's Day in March, but I'll leave that for another time, or will I? Mm. Anyway, on to the show. Ah, Gremlins, the movie that started all the PG-13 ratings. So, I guess you can blame Giz for this weak-ass fad. However, before you bathe him in sunlight and watch Little Bugger Fry, 80s PG-30s movies were a whole lot different from today's. Look at Marvel's first movie, Howard the Duck. Sex jokes, nudity, swearing and bestiality. Gotta love the 80s and how George Lucas thought this was okay for kids. But moving on to Gremlins. 1984's Gremlins, starring Zach Galligan, Phoebe Gates, Corey Feldman, Hoyt Axton, Francis Lee McCain, Judge Reynolds, and Howie Mandel as Gizmo, directed by Joe Dante. The movie opens up with a voiceover from Billy's dad, Aranzo Peltzer, played by Hoyt Axton, who is getting led around Chinatown that looks straight out of Blade Runner, or a Hellraiser montage part type thing. <laughs> by a small boy, straight to his grandfather's store where we first find Gizmo, a mogwai, which means in Cantonese, Chinese, devil or gremlin, apparently. I got that from IBDM, so if that's wrong, apologies. And he tries to buy it off the old man, but he refuses, so the grandson sells it for him outside the store for a measly $200. And it's off to small town USA. Oh yes, I almost forgot, the grandson tells him about the rules. Three simple rules. One, no bright light, especially sunlight, because it will kill him. Two, do not get him wet. Three, no feeding after midnight. The movie then shows a nod to Spielberg with Rockin' Ricky Rauto billboard with him dressed as Indiana Jones. It's Christmas time. No! In Kingston Falls, USA. The opening shot just isn't a set with a huge painted backdrop, but I'll let that slide. This is also where the filmed Back to the Future. Here we first meet Billy, Zach Galligan, who I know from nothing else but this and Watchwatch movies, who is having trouble getting his VW Beetle, that's bug from my American listeners, started. Cue xenophobic neighbour, Mr. Futterman, played by Dick Miller, who was everything in the 80s from Terminator to Gremlins to Night of the Creeps and The Explorers. So, Futterman has a go at Billy because Billy owns a VW Beetle or Hitler's Car of the People. Yes folks, a VW Beetle was a Nazi creation. And that's what the Porsche 911s are based off of. Billy's late for work at the local bank, so he runs through town and it's like something right out of It's a Wonderful Life. In fact, I think it's the same backlot. Spot the huge Burger King product placement, which later disappears. And this is where we first meet Kate, played by Phoebe Cates, who was in the 80s classic Fast Times at Richmond High. I will have to start in Drop Dead Fred. As the two Starcross lovers sign a petition to stop Mrs. Deagle, played by Polly Holiday, this movie's Mr. Potter, for her closing down the local pub because she thinks it's an eyesore. So she barges into the bank with a head of a ceramic snowman and threatens to kill Billy's dog. This is where we first meet a brown-nosing yuppie, Gerald Hopkins, played by Judge Reynolds, who went on to star in Biblos Cop movies and the awful Santa Claus movies. 
Later on, the old man that compliments Billy's drawings in the bar is actually Chuck Jones, the animator that brought us Bugs Bunny and the other classic Warner Brothers characters. This is where wannabe Gerald blasts Billy for not being a yuppie and for not having drive in his life. Also, he hits on Kate while ordering a vodka martini. What a complete and utter tool. So Billy goes home and we meet Billy's mother, Lynn Peltzer, played by Frances Lee McCain. And wouldn't you know it, she's watching It's a Wonderful Life. Yes, this movie's going to beat you over the head with this is a Christmas movie. Anyway, this is where we first find out Billy's dad's inventions never work. With the egg breaker type thing, what the hell that thing is, why don't you beat thing off a cup or a bowl or something like that, you lazy git. So moving on, Billy's dad returns from Chinatown with a gift of Gizmo for Billy. And this is where we first meet the star of this movie, Gizmo, voiced by Harry Mandel. Billy's mom takes a picture of Gizmo and it scares him. William use bright light, bright light, and Billy's dad explains the rules. Cut to later that night, and Gizmo and Billy are playing on a keyboard close encounter style by trying to replicate Gizmo's hum. After Billy puts a Santa hat on him and shows him his reflection, causing Gizmo to fall into the bin, he takes him off to the bathroom to clean up. What part of no bright light and no water doesn't Billy get? So, the next morning, and we get more hijinks with the Pilsen inventions, and Billy gets drenched by gallons of orange juice from one single orange. This is where we meet Pete, played by Corey Feldman, who was everywhere in the 80s from Friday 13th, part 4, to Goonies, to Lost Boys, to Stand By Me, as he delivers the family's Christmas tree and mocks Billy's dad's inventions. Cut to Gizmo, watching an old movie on a TV, and this is where he learns to drive. Very important about this. And this is where Billy introduces Pete to Gizmo. I'm going to know the fact that Billy is, what, 20, 21, and Pete is, what, 12, 13? After all, it was the 80s and a more innocent time. So why couldn't they be friends? Also, it's a small town and Billy hasn't let go of childish things yet. Hence why he still reads comic books. Billy shows Pete his pet gizmo. Leave it, you dirty-minded lot. And all he can say is it's cute. Now, see, I'm sorry, but if I was, what, 12 or 13 and I saw something that looked like Yoda had sex with an Ewok, then I wouldn't just say, oh, cute, I'd be amazed or terrified. Of course, Billy gets gizmo wet and starts to multiply, much like teenagers do hanging around a mall, or in Glasgow's case, McDonald's. So, that's two of the three rules broken in the first 24 hours. God, Billy is a careless twat, or is he just a plain stupid idiot? Mm. I love the dog's reaction to gizmo, and the gremlins, the poor thing thought these things were alive, and it terrified them. Poor dog. So, after Pete spills water on Gizmo, causing him extreme pain and giving him five mean siblings, all Pete can say is it's neat. Wow, jaded much. Oof. Oh yes, one thing I will say about the Pilsner inventions, how is the bathroom buddy hygienic? I mean, not only does it have nail clippers next to a toothbrush, but it also has shaving foam next to a disposable razor. Yeah, that's real hygienic that is. Billy shows his dad what happens when Giz gets wet, and all his dad can say, well we can call it the Pilsner pet and make a fortune off it. 
Ugh, the 80s folks. Oof. So later that night, Billy finds his dog strung up with Christmas lights done by Stripe somehow. I mean, how the hell does that work? The thing's less than a foot tall when he could pick up a dog and string it up. Never mind. And he thinks it was Mrs. Dingle. Yet another scene of the Pilts inventions not working. We get it already. He's a nutty professor type. As Bella complains about Mrs. Dingle. So the dad takes him with him for a business trip. What? On Christmas Eve? Or the weekend before Christmas Eve? Jesus. Terrible father. Move on. So Billy takes a mogwai to his old school and his science teacher friend. Because of course a science teacher would know what to do. Ah, the 80s. You've got to love the 80s. Thinking every scientist knows everything about every subject in science. So, of course, Billy gets it wet. Again, because why wouldn't he? And produces a test subject for the teacher. So later that night... Billy picks up Kate from the bar she works at and she has to deal with a drunk Mr. Futterman who, of course, she lets drive home drunk because 80s logic. This is the famous or rather infamous Phoebe Kate's speech about finding her dead father in the chimney and finding out there's no Santa. But not before the classic line, some people opening up their presents, while other people are opening up their wrists. Jeez, and I thought I hated Christmas. Oof. Although I'm not, although I'm with her there. You say you don't like Easter or Valentine's Day and nothing. You say you hate Christmas and everyone looks at you funny. Why? It's just another bloody day. So, the tests begin on the mogwai that Billy left at the school, as we cut back to the science teacher taking blood from the little mogwai. Much later that night, Billy feeds the mogwai after midnight, because this guy is a freaking idiot. And they metamorphosis into gremlins. Also, back at the school, the science teachers, all lab tests, get some food also. The next morning, Billy finds out the Mogwai are in their cocoons. These things look straight out of Alien, but moving on. Meanwhile, back at the school, the teacher tells Billy and Pete about the pupil stage and the cocoons and how it's going through a metamorphosis. Surely a 20 year old would know this. Hmm? Anyway, cut to Billy's mom making gingerbread men and getting a call from Billy's dad at the invention convention. Oh, that rhymes. Sorry, inventor convention. Spot the time machine from H.G. Wells' story in the background and Spielberg in some sort of bike thing with a TV attached to it. I have no idea what the hell that thing is. Also, Robbie the Robot from Lost in Space or from Dim Planet, whatever ones you're picking. So, cut to the cocoons hatching. Then back to the dad on the phone and the time machine has vanished. And then Mrs. Deagle throwing her weight around the bank yet again. Back to the cocoons. Now the gremlins are out and running amok. The school science teacher lets his class go just as his test subject hatches. However, instead of, I don't know, putting on the lights or something or finding something to put the thing in, he investigates empty-handed. I guess Billy didn't. Tell him about the bright light scenario then. Mm. Anyway, back to Billy's house. And Gizmo is terrified as he is surrounded by gremlins. Then it's back to the school as the idiot science teacher gets his comeuppance with a bite to the hand and needle in the ass. Billy finds the teacher dead, gets scratched from a gremlin, watches it escape because, again, he didn't put the fucking light on. So he goes to the nurse's office and bandages his hand and gets attacked yet again. 
again letting the gremlin run away. Meanwhile, back at his home, his mother deals with the five gremlins herself as Gizmo gets thrown down the laundry chute. First, she kills one in a blender, then she stabs one to death, and she puts one in a microwave and fries it until it explodes. And this right here is why we have a PG-13. Thank you, Steven Spielberg. And Billy runs home from the school while her, his mother is dealing with the three rogue gremlins. Billy bursts through the door and cuts the head off one of them as it, his mother is getting attacked by one by a Christmas tree and its lights. The final gremlin, Stripe, runs off into the snow, yet doesn't multiply because I guess snow isn't wet. Mm. Billy dumps his mother next door even though she killed three single-handedly. And Billy bundles Gizmo into a rucksack and hunts down Stripe to a local YMCA, where it gleefully jumps into the pool after attacking the useless Billy yet again. The pool fills with fog and green lights as Billy and Giz make a run for it. So dozens of full-grown gremlins are let loose on the town. And time for some terrible stop-motion miniatures as... Billy tries to warn the cops that the gremlins are loose, but with Stripe leading his horde into town. However, the cops think he's either A, drunk, or B, a liar. Anyway, on to the Futtermans. Is that the sofa cover later used in Roseanne on the Futtermans' Lazy Boy's chair? Hmm. So, the Futtermans. He goes outside to check the aerial after complaining that his TV is on the fritz because it's a Chinese or Japanese or Taiwanese or whatever export it was and finds it's all bent into a shape. He investigates a noise and gets over, run over by his tractor, killing them both. Him and his wife are flattened by this thing as dozens of gremlins are on the thing driving it. And so the gremlins cause chaos throughout the town, such as not letting a local priest post a letter, biting the mayor and playing with the traffic lights. So the sheriff and his deputy get a call telling them about the Futterman's death, so they investigate a drunk again. Gotta love the 80s, cause fuck public safety. And this is where the sheriff calls the deputy an arsehole. Again, wasn't this a kiddies movie? Cut to Mrs. Deagle getting her comeuppance as the gremlins mess with her stairlift. And she goes flying out the window to her death. Note, all her cats are named after money, such as Dollar Bill, Ribble and Kopak. So after running more amok, including attacking Santa, cutting the sheriff's car brakes and causing it to crash, and attacking Corey Feldman, they go to the cinema to watch Snow White. Hmm. So not before getting a few beers at the bar, because beer isn't water or nothing, right? Hmm. And attacking Kate. Ah yes, the flasher gremlin and the swelling belly one. I forgot just how weird and wonderful these gremlin designs were. Hell, there's even a transvestite one. And a flashdance one. My god, flashdance. Billy comes to Kate's aid as the whole town goes to hell in a handbasket. They make it back to the bank. And this is the famous speech about her dead dad in a chimney. How cheerful speech this is. Oh, and how she finds out Santa isn't real. Oh, and... Merry Christmas, kitty winks. <sighs> Moving on. So once leaving the bank, they find the whole town empty and the gremlins are in the local cinema watching Snow White, as I said earlier. So Billy and Kate set a trap by setting the cinema on 
fire and blowing them sky high in an explosion. Apart from Stripe, as he goes and gets yum yums. I should say I've been in cinemas just like this, except the gremlins were much better behaved. You gotta love teams of fright, right? Right? <laughs> so Billy opens the gas mains and blows the cinema sky high, burning all but Stripe to death. That's when Kate notices Stripe in the window of a department store, so Billy breaks in to kill it. It's down, so it's the big showdown between Billy and Stripe. As Stripe attacks Billy with a chainsaw, while Kate flicks all the lights and switches on, including a water display, which is Stripe's downfall. So Stripe kicks Billy's ass with everything from a tennis ball to a mini chainsaw, as Giz opens the blinds, but not before driving a Barbie dream car. Lucky he learned how to drive in the old movie. And finally, Kate does something useful as she turns on the lights just as Stripe was attacking Billy with a mini chainsaw, as I've mentioned twice now. <laughs> with Gizmo driving around the store and knocking over everything, and I mean everything, and giving Billy's dog the fright of its life, Stripe gets a gun and shoots at Billy, but not before jumping into the water display. However, just before he multiplies, Gizmo opens the blinds, killing Stripe. Wicked Witch of the West style. By the way, what is it with 80s movies and things just melting? I mean, it was everywhere. Gee, God. Fate to a TV reporter uh, reporting on the Gremlins attacking the small town and the old Chinese man takes Gizmo back. So, that was Gremlins, an 80s classic. I just noticed Gremlins are a lot like a teenager. Okay, in a small number. However, hype them up on sugar and uh, they'll run amok, destroying everything and anything in their path. I'm going to give this 7 out of 10. Up next, part 2. So, on to part 2. 1990s Gremlins 2 The New Batch. A whole lot of ripoff movies made a whole lot of money off the success of this, and I'll be covering some of them in this podcast series. This is basically a remake of the original 1984 movie, but with better effects and, dare I say it, better acting. So, I should start the show. So, the cast, once again, starring Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, John Glover, Robert Picardo, the late great legendary Christopher Lee, Robert Prosky, Havandela Havendland Morris, Dick Miller, and once again, Javier Middell as Gizmo. Plus a whole slew of celebrity cameos. Once again directed by Joe Dante. The movie opens up with the WB logo with Bugs Bunny riding on it. Because it's the 50th birthday apparently. Then Daffy Duck kicking off Bugs. Then bitching and moaning that he was hogged alive for 50 years and yada yada yada. Thankfully this is the end of the Slim Ass cartoon. And on with the title. Note the helicopter. Shots are from Superman 4, a much earlier movie. Moving on. Now, see, don't get me wrong, I actually liked the classic Warner Brothers um, cartoons. I mean, I grew up with Bugs and the gang. But this was just a pathetic, lame-ass attempt of a comic. I don't know what the hell that thing was, but it's a waste of space. Anyway, moving on to the movie opens in New York City in all its late 80s glory. 
then it's on to Chinatown where we see Mr. Clamp's second command pull up in a limo with lackeys in tow to the old man from the first movie and Gizmo. So in box Foster played by Robert Picardo who I knew as the bad guy in inner space and he's now went into Trek fandom as the EMS the Doctor from Voyager. He has a TV where we meet Daniel Clamp played by John Glover who would later star in Batman and Robin and TV's Smallville. His clamp is basically Donald Trump but a lot more childish and he wants to buy the old man's shop but the old man isn't interested so the lackeys leave leaving the TV set so Gizmo can watch Rambo 3 and put it that for later. Then it's six weeks later and the old man's dead so the old man's death is reported on Clamp Network TV because why wouldn't uh, real estate Mugo have a TV station yeah, moving on Gizmo's on his own until bulldozers smash down the shop and Gizmo makes a run for it in some impressive effects you could see him run also the new model looks much better and much more cuter than a 1984 one looks like a drowned harass rat in some cases before getting caught by Martin and Lewis, played by Don and Dan Stanton, the twins from Terminator 2. Now, see, the problem with this scene is it shows Gizmo running in daylight and he squeezes past water pipes. Don't! Continuity editor, hello! Water pipes, broad daylight. Mm hmm. Anyway, Gizmo gets caught and it's on to Times Square where we first meet Billy and Kate, played again by Zach Galligan and Phoebe Cates. They discuss the Futtermans coming for a visit, but wait, didn't they die original? Ah well, screwed continuity I guess. So Billy and Kate bitch more about stuff such as how big city life is worse than small city life and how rude people are in a big city. Now see, if New York is anything like London, I can see why. Even though I live in Glasgow, the second largest city in Scotland, I was shocked just how rude Londoners are. Then it's a gag about revolving doors that never work. Ever work. Then it's on about more bitching and moaning about how this stressful with modern life. We meet Marla Bloodstone, played by Haviland Morris, Billy's ball-busting, chain-smoking, ultra-stress boss. And Billy gets his balls busted by Foster for having a plant and unauthorised artwork, pointing out that Clamp spends millions on hideous pop artwork. It then shows yuppie douchebag Foster firing some guy just for having a smoke break. Cut to Kate doing her two-day job. But wait, did she work in a bank in original? Where did this tour guide come from? Hmm? She couldn't get a job in a bank in London? Really? So she tells the bored looking kids about Clamp's network and all the junk he sells such as jams and jellies. I wonder, did Trump watch this and take notes? Hmm. Cut to a cheesy 50 sci-fi movie called Attack of the Octus People, which in real life is called Ottoman from 1971. And we meet Grandpa Fred, played by Robert Prosky, which is in no way a ripoff of Grandpa Munster or even Elvira. Spot Joe Dante as his producer. So Grandpa Fred tells Billy he hates his job and he hates his new time slot. So Billy asks why not use classic horrors to which Fred 
Dilson Clamp only likes colour ones. I dig at Tent Turner for only showing coloured movies. And for colourising, it's a wonderful life. Yes, that movie makes an appearance yet again. On to Splice of Life, Laboratories. And Christopher Lee as Dr. Carpenter. I can't believe they called him Dr. Carpenter, but moving on. And this is where we see his weird and wonderful lab with things such as talking cows and his fetish for germs. So he is showing Gizmo, who makes a run for it after Martin and Lewis play rock and roll music to him, but not before getting caught by Lee and stuck back in his cage. So yet more moaning from Billy to Kate about his job and how nothing works right. Cue tons of gremlin gags, but not yet. First, he overhears a delivery man humming Gizmos' song, and he finds out Giz is in the lab. So up he goes to rescue Giz, and we see what the lab has been up to, such as electrifying rats, somehow, and genetic splicing, such as rubberized tomatoes that don't get damaged in transportation. So Billy steals Giz and takes him to the toilet because of course he would because Billy is still an idiot in this movie and Giz tells him about the old man dying onto Giz onto Billy hiding Giz in a drawer after almost getting caught in the toilet for some reason anyway so Clamp does an unscheduled visit just like Bruce Wayne does in Batman Forever and he sees Billy's sketch of the Clamp Asian town Asia town and of course Mother jumps on Billy asking him for dinner because she's a gold digging bitch after she slammed him earlier for having things that she wanted added and things he didn't want to add la 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 blah blah whatever move on so of course Gizmo doesn't stay in a drawer and gets wet causing more mogwai stupid little furball all it needed to do was sit there and wait for what one hour for Kate to come to pick him up. Hmm. So Billy finds Kate and tells her about Gizmo and he rehashes the rules to her again. One, no bright light, especially sunlight, it'll kill him. Two, don't get them wet. And three, no feeding after midnight. Just in case you hadn't saw the original movie or forgotten them, the movie tells you again and again and again. And this is the first of many cameos as John Astin's, that's Fester Adams from the Adams family, plays the janitor that gets Gizmo wet. And cue four new gremlins, including a Bucktooth one, a Hyper Gizmo lookalike, and Mohawk, this movie's stripe. So Gizmo is quickly bullied and thrown into the air ducts as the rest cause chaos. However, Kate picks up the gizmo lookalike and takes it home. Meanwhile, the rest cause chaos in a froyo bar. Cut to Billy and Marla's business date. Ah, she hits on him by giving him a foot job under the table. This is still a kid's movie, right? This is still a kid's movie, right? Meanwhile, back at Kate and Billy's, she feeds gizmo lookalike, but not before it trashes the kitchen. First goes the blender, what do they remember, what they died of in the original movie. Then attacking Kate with some food. Billy gets home and finds out that Gizmo has had more kids and worse that Kate has brought one home. And that is not Gizmo. So why not just kill it straight away, stick the, some light onto it and kill it. Hmm? 
Moving on. Cue the Futtermans. And Murray is just as xenophobic as before, but this time his wife thinks he's nuts. But wait, didn't she see the gremlins driving the plough that killed him in the last movie? Hmm. It's now midnight, and yet there's still people queuing up for Froyo. Hmm. The Mogwai eat and cue some more of the belly swelling gag just like in the original. So Billy and Kate find out the Mogwai have eaten after a midnight, so Billy tries to cut off the water and gets caught by a security guard who quickly gets attacked by the gizmo lookalike in Billy's rucksack and runs off. So the rental cop takes Billy to the cops and the camera pans up revealing three cocoons. The next morning, Kate gets Billy out of jail as the cocoons hatch into full-size gremlins just as Gizmo falls through the air ducts because he's still stuck in there. What was that, nine hours or something? Jeez. So he falls through the air ducts for what looks like miles and is quickly captured by Mohawk who goes on to torturing him for hours. Billy tries to tell Foster about the gremlins and the staff start to mock him for the stupid rules. Kate's giving a guide. Kate is giving a guided tour with a shocking depiction of a Japanese tourist and yet another cameo from Catherine Freeman as microwave Marge, a prima drunk TV cook in the same vein as Fanny Kravick. Google her up kids, Google her. The suits continue to mock the rules until one is attacked by a gremlin which Billy fakes off with with a torch. That's flashlight for my American listeners. So Microwave Marge gets attacked by three gremlins just like in the original, except this time one of them puts metal items into the microwave causing it to explode and the sprinklers come on causing yet more gremlins. One thing I noticed in this viewing is the googly-eyed one is actually in the pot where Marge is pouring the sherry into, so sherry isn't water then. Also, the pot was bubbling as she pours on the jerry, so shouldn't it be dead? Moving on. Back to Gizmo getting tortured by a mohawk by a photocopier, which wouldn't that kill him outright? But screw the rules, that's funny, right? No, it's not. It's just plain. So Kate gets attacked in a lift by hundreds of gremlins because of course you would use a lift, you stupid bitch. The police is crawling with gremlins and you take the lift, not the stairs. Ugh. Cut to Clamp, looking bored in his office and... Wait, is that a black and white version of It's a Wonderful Life on his TV monitor behind him? Hmm, why yes it is! Which turns into colour the very next scene, just like that. Magic, kids, magic. As Clamp's secretary gets attacked by a gremlin, Clamp finds it, fights it and kills it using a shredder. Billy runs in and tells Clamp the rules as the gremlins almost kill Kate in the lift. Cue yet another cameo from movie critic Leonard Moulton, who I never even heard of, but his acting gets a thumbs down as he slams gremlins before getting his comeuppance by the gremlins, killing him off screen. Back to yet more torturing by Mohawk on Gizmo, then it's back to the lab where the gremlins run amok, drinking potions and shoot the place up. The potions turn one into a lightning gremlin, one into a salad gremlin, and one into a hyper smart gremlin, and finally one into a spider gremlin. Cue one of the gremlins drinking the bat jeans, turning it into a gargoyle, with Brain injecting him with some sunblock 
before flying off, leaving the bat syndrome behind. Funny, right? No, that's just lame. The bat gremlin then flies off and gets killed by the Futtermans by getting coated in concrete and it flying off and turning itself into a gargoyle on a church. Cut back to Clap Towers and the gremlins running amok, destroying everything, and again, Kate gets flashed. So she punt kicks that little sucker down the hallway. She pulls a fire alarm, saving all the yuppies up the stairs, with yet more scenes of Gizmo getting tortured, this time in a toy store, because it was a mini mall in the original. So I guess, why not? And other gremlins are running amok. Yes, this is it, folks. The movie breaks right in the middle of Christopher Lee telling Billy he's a changed man. And the final, if not lamest, cameo, the Hulkster himself, Hulk Hogan, in some terrible acting and some terrible puns, threatening the Grimsters with the Hulkster. Oh, God, so lame. Note the woman dragging little girl out actually happened to Dante at a showing of Gremlins 1. Then it's back to the movie where Grandpa Fred finds out no one knows exactly what is happening outside the building as Clamp has sealed the building. So he grabs a Japanese tourist and uses him to record the carnage. It's back to the lab and more hijinks as the Gremlins drink the potions and they turn into the various things that they've drunk, such as the lightning one. Yet another one throws acid into one gremlin's face, turning it into a Phantom of the Menace joke. And yet another transgender gremlin as one drinks a sex potion turning it email. Sadly, this is where Lee gets killed off by the lightning gremlin as Foster gets harassed by the transgender gremlin. Because that's funny, right? New Mohawk gets a hold of a gun and fills a gremlin with bullets just so they could have the lame ass liquid pouring out of the holes gag. And this is where he drinks the spider jeans, turning into the giant spider gremlin. Cut back to Gizmo, finally toughening up and turning into Rambo. Lucky he watched Rambo 3 earlier, wasn't it? Clamp finds out Grandpa Fred is broadcasting from within the building, so he goes out to try to calm the situation and save the day. In the meantime, he traps a lightning gremlin on hold, and put that for later, and of course, it is on hold. The whole music is actually raindrops falling on my head, because that's funny, right? Ugh. Note, the end of the world tape is supposed to be real, and in fact, most American broadcasters have one on file. So Marler gets caught by the spider gremlin in its web, as Clamp uses his escape hatch and Mr. Futterman uses it to go back into the building. Yet more scenes of chaos as a gremlin is playing with the air, condition, air conditioning and Billy gets knocked out in a doctor's office waking up to the googly-eyed gremlin about to drill into his teeth, marathon man style. So Gizmo finally finishes his training montage and goes full Rambo, makes himself a bow and arrow out of a paper clip elastic band and tipex. Cut to Grandpa Fred interviewing with Brain as the rest trash a bar just like the original. Billy sets the clocks forward three hours and Clamp uses a cloth backdrop as a night skyline because that would work. Mm. But wouldn't you know it starts to rain, forcing Billy to use plan B. 
So Kate finds Marla in the spider web and she quizzes her on what happened at the dinner date. But Marla says nothing happens happened and Kate helps her out, but not before the spider gremlin attacks them both. Thankfully, Gizmo burns the gremlin alive using a burning arrow tipped with tipex, even though that would kill him instantly also, but moving on. Oh god, I almost forgot about the Lincoln speech Kate gives here, which is right up there with her Santa run. No wonder she barely walked again after this and dropped dead Fred. Oof. So the gremlins meet up in a lobby and start singing New York, New York. And this is just lame as the female transgender one comes out of an eye of a giant picture of herself. How and why did the gremlins do this? How and when did the gremlins do this? And more importantly, why? The villain uses plan B, which is using the fire hose to soak the gremlins in the lobby and frying them with the electric gremlin. But not before more gags, including the Phantom of the Opera gremlin at an organ and one dying after getting a photograph taken. Lame! Utter lameness at its peak here, because why wasn't Gizmo dead and the bloody photocopier, but this one dies from a camera? Flash. Hmm. Just after Billy fries them, they use the same joke as the first one with the Wicked Witch to West gag, then Clamp barges in with the SWAT team and finds Billy and saves the day. He sees Gizmo and all he sees, he says, he sees is suckers on them and him on the back of car windows. Funny thing is, this actually happened and Gizmo was everywhere in the 90s. So, that was Gremlins 2, a lame, almost scene for scene remake. So I'm going to give it exactly half of what I gave Gremlins. 4 out of 10. So come back next week for all 4, yes, 4 Critters movies. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod and email me suggestions at Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. And bye! Now I'm getting out of here because this place smells like burnt meatloaf.